Thanks for coming, everybody. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Father Brian. I'm the pastor of Our Lady of Lourdes, just a couple blocks away here. Um, but I think I know most of you. John and Brian and I were joking. Every time we schedule a pint with the priest, it's been like, like Hawaii here, like the last two weeks, and now all of a sudden it snows. So I don't know what that means, but thank you for coming. I know roads are terrible. I just drove like three blocks. I was like, wow, it's really bad. Um, so tonight, what I basically want to talk about, just briefly, what we do here is we, um, I'll give like a 10-minute talk, and uh, then we really just open it up for questions. And you can ask a question about what the topic is, or really about anything. Uh, I don't promise to have the answer, but it's kind of a fun place. Like so many people I find as a priest, uh, people have lots of questions, but they're nervous to ask them. Um, and you can't do it during the homily, and they think if they make an appointment to do that, they're taking too much of a priest's time. So it's kind of a fun place to just ask a question. So it can be about anything. But we're close to Lent, right? This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about something that relates to Lent uh, and how that works as Catholics. Why do we do this? Uh, what is that about? And so there's two things I really want to hit on tonight about what Lent is about. And last night, some of you were there at RCIA. Actually, as I was teaching for people who were becoming Catholic, uh, something just really hit me about um, this quote from the Catechism. It's from St. Augustine. So St. Augustine says that Christ came to the marriage bed of the cross, and there in mounting it, he consummated his marriage. Which is an interesting quote, right? You don't usually think of the cross as a marriage bed, but that's what the fathers of the church actually believed. And I just want to make two basic points tonight. The first one is that Lent is about denying ourselves. And the basic point there is that if you don't deny yourself, you can't have freedom. When I was in seminary, one of the guys, Father Dave Nix, he, I remember he turned to me one Ash Wednesday and he was like, Lurkin, do you ever feel like we just have to have Lent to do the things that we should be doing all year? I was like, yeah, like totally. Uh, it's t it's, we all feel that. That's why so many people are like, oh my gosh, Lent's coming. This is great. I'm going to lose 10 pounds or, you know, I'm going to actually go to bed on time or whatever it is. The church has always known that if you don't deny yourself, you're just going to be miserable. If you can't say no to yourself at some point, that actually leads not to happiness but to misery. If you can never say no to yourself with food or with alcohol as we're at a pub, um, that's going to make you unhappy in the end. Uh, but then the second piece is that that's at, at the end of the day, that's not Christian. It doesn't go all the way to becoming Christian. That's just a human thing. Right? Regular people get this. They understand if you're going to be happy, you have to have discipline. You have to say no to yourself. But Christianity actually says that you have to go further than that, that you can't just deny yourself. You have to love others. And so in Lent, Catholics do three things, right? The big things the church recommends for us are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And what those three things do is what we've just talked about. Fasting is you saying no to yourself. 
And I love it. I told the RCIA last night, we wait to tell Catholic people who are becoming Catholic the like what's what the obligations are until they're already pretty much in. Right? We're like like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Okay, Jesus died for my sins, he loves me. Oh, by the way, there's about a hundred things you have to do now. Um, but one of the things is fasting, and everybody always says to me, Father Brian, I am terrible at fasting. And I'm like, uh-huh. That's the point. Right? No one's good at fasting. Fasting is how we say no to ourselves. And what it does is it creates freedom. If you can't say no to yourself, you become a slave uh, to the things you desire. And so fasting is such a good thing. It's never easy, but it teaches us how to say no to ourselves. And I just know that I need that. This is all over the Bible. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is a great chapter to read if you want to talk about denying yourself. But then we have to love other people. And so prayer is really about loving God and almsgiving is about loving others. It's about loving our neighbor. And just briefly, I just want to, one of my favorite topics is almsgiving. And so I just want to spend the rest of the time that I have on almsgiving. A friend of mine says that we all kind of know that we're supposed to be generous, but what keeps us from being generous right now is fear. And the way he always says, he says, fear of the future keeps us from being generous in the present. Fear of the future keeps us from being generous in the present. Uh, And I think that's just really true. I think that's true in my life. Like, I'm always scared about tomorrow. In fact, if you come to Mass this Sunday, our gospel reading is in Matthew 6, and it's all about anxiety and money. Fear of the future keeps us from being generous in the present. And so God tells us that we're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to be generous to the poor. Why? And by the way, this is, the Christians in in the early days of Christianity were famous for this. Absolutely famous for this. Uh, In fact, hospitals and homes for, like, orphans uh, and a lot of charitable organizations did not exist until Christianity came along. Uh, We find them popping up as Christianity grows in the Roman Empire. Why? Why was this so important to Christianity? And one more story. Julian the Apostate uh, is the first Roman emperor to leave Christianity. And there's this famous letter from him where he's really frustrated with Christians because he says not only do they love their own poor, they love ours. And he's frustrated because he's like, it's really hard to beat these Christians because they just love everybody. And they were famous for taking care of the poor. Okay, so why? What's the logic? Why have Christians, like, and especially Catholics, why has the Catholic Church always seen that there's something super important about us loving the poor? Why does it matter? There's a couple reasons. In Proverbs 19.17, and some of you have heard me talk about this. In Proverbs 19.17, the Bible tells us, it says, someone who gives, who is um, generous to the poor, makes a loan to God. Hear that again. Someone who is generous to the poor makes a loan to God. The idea was that a poor person can't pay you back, and so God takes that debt on himself to repay you. 
And in the New Testament, in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about this. He says, uh, remember, he says, remember when you found that um, person who was hungry and you fed them? Or you visited the person in prison, right? Or you, um, you loved all those who were outcasts. And he goes through the corporate works of mercy in Matthew 25. And he says, whenever you did that to someone, you did it to me. And so God takes on that. And here's the basic idea. And we can go through a lot of biblical passages about this. But the basic idea is this, is that when we go before God, when I die and I'm like, Lord, I was a total chump. I never really got my act together and a lot of sins. And what I'll do is I'll get on my knees and I'll say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But in the Bible, the way that it's portrayed is that that when I stand to God and ask for mercy, that's the same relationship that someone who's asking me for help is in towards me. And in Greek, uh, the word for mercy is very, very frequently the exact same word for almsgiving. And so a poor person who needs help from us, it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us we're all beggars before God. And so if I want God to treat me well, one of the things he's going to say is he's going to say, Father Brian, I don't think God will probably call me Father, but I'd be like, Brian, <laughs> right? You want me to be merciful. Were you merciful to those who needed you? And it's just a, it's a really beautiful thing. And the last thing about that I'll just say is uh, there's so much more we could do with this. But one last thing I just want to mention about this is this is built into the Our Father. Uh, when you pray the Our Father, I hope you pray it every day, but we say in the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The Greek word doesn't say trespasses. The Greek says debt. It says forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are debtors against us. And that's why it matters so much. When you see a poor person, someone down on their luck, and you see, you know, so many people in our culture today, then one of the common responses is, well, they put themselves there. We're Americans, you know, put some elbow grease into it and get yourself a job and get off the street, whatever. Um, but what's supposed to happen is when we see a poor person, we're supposed to see ourselves. It reminds me of who I am before God. That before God, I'm a poor person. And so that's what Lent's about. So we're going into it, and uh, I'm wrapping up here, but I just want to encourage you. Discipline is not enough. Some Catholics are like, I am so disciplined, right? Like, I haven't said a curse word in 30 years. And, you know, I don't know. I don't even get mad in traffic, which is pretty hard. And they're so disciplined. But discipline is the first half that leads to us loving others. And Christians aren't just disciplined. Christians are people who have mercy on others and who love others. And so finally tonight, before we open up for questions, I want to bring up my friend Becca. Where did she go? Oh, you're right there. (laughs) Sorry. Becca works um, with Catholic Charities. And we were talking a little about this, and I thought, they always hear from me, but I thought maybe it'd be cool for somebody who works with the poor to just talk a little bit. So Becca's going to speak real briefly.
Okay, I'll try to keep this short, but um, like he said, I work for Catholic Charities. Um, I think I know some of you guys. I work down at Samaritan House, which if you don't know, um, is one of the biggest homeless shelters in downtown Denver. Um, I never imagined myself uh, in this career working with people experiencing homelessness, um, but I can't imagine doing anything else now. Um, and when Father Brian said, would I talk about why I love my job and how it's changed my life, um, it's kind of ironic that today in like this snowstorm, we happen to have this um, fire evacuation drill. And so the whole building, like, you know, all 300 people had to evacuate into the snowstorm. And as like, we're all huddled together, I was like, yeah, God, I really love my job right now. Um, but I do, I really love my job. Um, and this is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. My friends all know that this is kind of like my soapbox. And so like get the shepherd's crook and like pull me off if I uh, get too excited about it. But um, it's also, while it's one of my favorite topics to talk about, it's a actually kind of a delicate topic to talk about um, and talking about poverty. And um, especially when we're all here very comfortably warm, enjoying a night um, to ourselves. And so it's funny because it can so quickly, uh, Catholic social justice teaching can kind of turn into this like slippery slope into liberation theology where Jesus is no longer our savior, but um, a spokesperson, right? Or it can turn into something that's kind of like self-aggrandizing, you know, and kind of these merit badges proving like why I'm a good person. Um, you know, like all these like extra brownie points that you're going to get to like show off when you're um, in heaven. But there's something um, that my life has been radically changed through what I do. And I think that um, it was in um, encountering Christ in the sense that he taught me that poverty isn't a lack of money, right? And almsgiving isn't just giving money or granola bars or gift cards or whatever on the side of the road. It is. It's part of it. But poverty is not a lack of money, but a lack of control. Um, and I kind of come back to this every day. Like poverty is not a lack of money, but a lack of control. And it's really easy to see it tangibly um, down at the shelter. And you can see the clients that we work with who are experiencing homelessness, who've just lost control. Um, all of a sudden, you know, someone who doesn't have control over where you can go to the bathroom. Um, someone who doesn't have control over like what you're gonna wear in the morning. Um, having a style, we like so often take that for granted. Someone who doesn't have control over where they're gonna sleep. Someone who doesn't have control over where they're gonna shower. Someone who doesn't have control um, over what they want to eat. Um, you know, maybe they don't like the coleslaw that we're serving or something like that. But um, this lack of control, even in, I think it was just last week or a couple weeks ago, um, there's this one client who came up and was like, hey, I have these like scissors and we don't like allow any um, sharp objects in the building. Um, and he's like, but they're just to like trim my nose hairs. Like, do I, can I keep them? And we're like, sorry, no, like you can't, like we can't have any sharp objects in the building. So not even having control over these like kind of hygiene habits. I mean, it was just like this moment of like, oh my gosh, I would be so humiliated if I had to ask that. Um, and so, but it's in, in talking to them and working with them that I realize uh, this, all the ways in my own life that I have this lack of control. Um, and it makes sense to me all of a sudden of like, why, why does Christ have this preferential treatment for the poor, right? Like I think back to that passage when he's talking about the widowed woman who gives of her last two cents and like that actual 
way that I think the word he uses is like, she's a mendicant, she's a beggar. And he distinguishes between being a working poor and being a beggar. And he says, truly, she has given more um, because she's given out of her poverty. And thinking in myself, like, when are the times that I'm giving out of my poverty? And what does a lack of control look like in my own life? Um, of, and that can kind of be in all the ways that our faults can be exposed. Um, the poverty of our love, um, of being able to, to love others. Um, there's just a real poverty there. I mean, I think even today, I kind of just like ramrodded my way through the day and I just like looked back on it. And I was like, ah, like I can't love the way that I want to and I'm just frustrated and, and there's just this poverty there uh, and there's no control. And I, and I think it makes so much sense about why why Christ has that preferential treatment for the poor because it's in losing our control that we, um, we have to admit, I don't know the path to my happiness. I actually don't know. Like, I, like I don't have it all together. Um, and it's in um, admitting I'm not God. And so, of course, Christ would be so close to the people who don't have control, who know that they're not God, right? Um, and so I guess... The last thing I would just want to leave you with is there's this quote um, by the guy who started the neo-catechumenal way, Kiko Aguayo, and he lived in the slums in Spain for um, several years, and he has this quote where he said, I didn't go to, the, go to the slums to be a teacher, even though they were all almost illiterate. And he's like, I didn't go there to uh, be a social worker. Absolutely not. He said, I went there because they were Jesus Christ. And I wasn't, I, I shouldn't have even been worthy to be present to these souls who had suffered from the sins of others. I always say the only thing that it separates us from someone who's experiencing homelessness is a support system, right? Whether you've made choices that have alienated you from that support system, you've lost it tragically, or your support system isn't financially capable of being a support system, right? And, and so there's, he was saying like that I didn't deserve to be present to these souls, these innocent souls who had suffered from the sins of others who didn't have this support system, and that they were Jesus Christ. And so I think in this paradoxical way, in the way that Christ always, you know, classically teaches us, um, it's not us going out to be Christ for others, but going out to be present to how Christ is in others. So that's it. One last thing I want to tag on to that, because we also know in the Middle Ages that uh, the poor were considered such an icon of Christ that um, giving money to poor people was considered like a sacrifice, like going to Mass. And so we literally have documentation in the Middle Ages of beggars. The way they'd ask for money in the ancient world was not like, you know, they they have the creative signs now, like, I don't know, I like the ones that say, I need a drink. Um... But they used to literally say to people, um, make an offering to, through me. Make an offering through me. And so it's literally seen as a way of encountering God. So anyway, just thoughts for that. And I love what Becca said too. Like, we just have our act together so much. At least we try. And like, I would, tonight I'll have to be, just be honest with you guys. Like, tonight today was like this long day. And I was like, oh my gosh. How am I going to go to Platt Park and say anything meaningful whatsoever, right? But we put together our best face, and we kind of step out there. And the poor, they remind us of who we are before God. We're all that. So 
We'll open up for questions. You can ask uh, Becca. We'll answer any question theologically you have. Um, she actually knows theology really well. Uh, no, but anything. It doesn't have to be about Lent or poverty or anything like that, but it can be about anything, and we'll do our best to answer. So any questions? Okay, Mike. Okay, so the question, if you didn't hear it, the question's about Friday sacrifices, and before Vatican II, it was meat every Friday for all Catholics, and then after Vatican II, it's uh, just Lent, but we're still supposed to give up something on Fridays. Do you on Fridays outside of Lent? You don't have to answer. I don't either. Like, I'm terrible at this. I try to, actually. Our community, so the Companions of Christ, one of our disciplines, and actually, I'm pretty good about this, so I guess it does count. We do media fasts on Fridays. So we're not allowed to watch TV or to, we can only be on the internet to do work and uh, we can't listen to music on Fridays. But the reason it happened was uh, at the church, there's something common, right? Like we are a body together and when we do things, it's helpful to do it together. It just always helps. So like one of the guys in my finance council, we had a finance council two nights ago, and Eric Krunenberg, I like worked hard. I was like, I want finance council to be a fun night for everybody. So I got two bottles of wine, and then I went out, and I like cooked food, and I got all this stuff ready because it's at 6.30, and no one touched anything. And I was like, you guys suck. <laughs> like I slaved all day, made the wine from scratch from my feet, and Eric was like, I'm at work, and all the guys at work are doing a two-month fast where all we do is eat stuff that's never been processed. And I was like, you are so much, so much more disciplined than I am. But it helps that he's doing it together. And he was, like, he was like, I would totally do that, but all the other guys aren't, and I f I'll feel bad. So anyway, so there's a common aspect to sacrifice that just helps us. But what, the reason it changed was because at Vatican II, for the first time in church history, we had modern transportation. And so at Vatican II, more bishops from across the world were able to come to that council, and the church learned that there's a lot of places in the world where they don't eat meat ever. And so they were like, it's, Fridays aren't tough. Like, it's kind of like a normal day. And that's why the church said, okay, this doesn't make sense. Why don't we allow people to have a sacrifice of their choosing during the year, but then Lent, we'll all come together and we'll do something together. And last thing, I didn't really say this. Friday fasting, of course, is to enter into that sacrifice of Christ. Jesus died for you on a Friday, and doing some kind of sacrifice on a Friday just reminds you of that. Lord, I love you. You died for me on a Friday. Today's different. Cool. Other questions? Yes. Thank you.
That's a really good question. Um, and always the toughest one for me to answer. So the question was, if you see somebody on the side of the road, um, do you give them money? And in no way can I just like tell you what to do. <laughs> um, but I can tell you kind of like what I do. Uh, I think it's really tough. Um, God never questions his generosity with us, right? So it, it's really tough for us to make a judgment call and question our generosity with someone else and, and say that this is like a conditional generous gift. I'm going to give you this as long as you spend it on money or on food, but if you spend it on booze, you don't deserve it. You know, like I don't think God's never questions his generosity with us. There's, it's, it's always unconditional. Um, with that said, it's kind of, I think, up to each person and each event, each individual time. Um, I can tell you that there are some people on the side of the road who I had, I, there's this one person that I met um, who I like rolled down my window and I said, hey, do you have a place to sleep tonight? Because I was going to say like, come down to Samaritan House, you know? Um, and he's like, oh yeah, I have an apartment. And I was like, oh, okay. And I looked at him and I kind of said, do you make social security? And he goes, yeah. And I go, do you make $733 a month? And he goes, yeah. And I said, here's $20. And I like, I don't do that every time. <laughs> like, no way, I couldn't afford it, right? But it was like this very case-by-case -case basis where I know that living in Denver, like my rent, I can't afford my rent on $733. I know how like, you know, most of the subsidized housing have these two-year wait lists or crazy things, right? And, and so I was like, I want to keep this guy in his apartment. I don't want him to be homeless. Um, so it's a case-by-case -case basis. I, sometimes I see my clients on the side of the road, and I kind of know their story a little bit more so. Um, but I also really encourage, like, gift cards. Um, gift cards to, like, McDonald's or Starbucks or anywhere, Chipotle, whatever. Um, not only are you giving someone food and money, but you're giving someone the right to be inside because now they're a patron of a business, right? So you're giving them, you, they're not now loitering, but they're a patron and they have a right to be inside because they're, they're, they're paying customers. Um, some people say granola bars or things in your car, apples. I would just say like with the caveat that um, make sure that like a lot of times people have dentures or bad teeth um, and so softer items to chew are better always. Um, and then, but like at a minimum, right? And I think it's just case by case, what's in your heart, what you're feeling. Um, at a minimum, it's, it's recognizing that the person is there. Um, it's looking up and looking them in the eye and nodding at them or waving, giving them just like the hand wave and saying, you're here, I acknowledge you're a person and, and I see you. Even if I have nothing to give you, I acknowledge that you're a person. Um, so that's what I would say. Thanks. Other questions? Yeah, Justin. Right. This is that question. So, so this is like, does Sundays count during Lent? Yeah. And so, so Justin's point is like, you know, if, I think I'm going to give up alcohol and do like extra prayer during Lent, but Sundays aren't counted in the 40 days. So can I take Sundays off? And Justin's point is you're weak if you say yes, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I, I think either way, it doesn't, well, technically your friend is right. The church doesn't count Sundays as days of penance ever because Sunday is the day of resurrection. And so it's always, always a day of rejoicing. Um, and I love that. One of the points I love making people, it doesn't feel like Lent goes forever. By the time Lent ends, I'm like, oh my gosh, my penance is so hard and life's over. But one of the coolest things is people don't usually keep their Lenten fast. Lent's 40 days. Easter is how many days? Does anybody know? It's 50. Right? And I think that's actually important, is that the church celebrates the resurrection for 50 full days. Uh, so your friend's technically right. Sunday is not a day of fasting. But I just recommend to people, the, end, the, the real rule of the church is always love at the end of the day. And so if this is something that's helping you to love, you can go Sunday without it, right? So... Good question. Are discipline and love separate steps? Maybe, not necessarily. Um, and back to that quote from Augustine. Augustine link, links the, he calls the cross the marriage bed of the New Testament. And, and so you can have discipline without love, is I think one way to say that, right? You can meet people who are super disciplined and real big jerks, right? It's possible. And actually, you can meet very religious people who are incredibly disciplined and they're really arrogant about that. Um, so it is possible to separate the two. But it's also they should go together. And that's what the church's point is. So another point on poverty, right, is that, oh gosh, what is it, 2 Second, uh, Second Corinthians 5, or it's, I always get 2 Corinthians 5 and Colossians 2 mixed up. But one of the two says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Right? Christ is, holds the two together. His discipline is always, always, always about love. Um, so you could separate them, but I think what well, the point I'm trying to make is that discipline is about freedom. It's about freedom. If you are not disciplined, you'll never be fully free. Uh, <coughs> it creates freedom. And then, but that should lead to love, but love can also motivate discipline. So they're related, but they're not the same thing. Cool. Anybody else? Did you guys ever think about theology? It's like all I do all day is <laughs> like, yeah. Great question. <laughs> so how do you balance debt with almsgiving? Um, I don't know. The, there's not a full practical answer. One of the things I love about Christianity, right, is it's there are principles and there are rules. But Christianity also doesn't give, like, a handbook of an owner's manual. Because love, because the heart's more tricky. So, but here's what I would say about this. Um, Paul says... Owe no one to anything except the debt of love. And there's lots of passages about freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That's in Galatians. Like, 
we are not called to be under debt. And so no one here is wants that, right? Like you're like, come on, Father Brian, I want more debt in my life. Debt is a, an analogy, like I said, for sin. Sin creates a debt before God. And God wants us to be free. But I will say, if you have debt in your life, if you're someone who has debt, uh, you should be working really, really hard to get out of that. Uh, and I hope you're disciplined and you're smart about this. It, it didn't work out. We were going to get Dr. Tim Gray to come speak, uh, but the schedule couldn't work, about how do we live in such a way that we can live debt-free and, or get to that point so that we can be generous. But I would say that the basic point I would just say is somehow you have to be generous. It may not be a, like a huge amount of money or something. I think money is important. It might be very small. It might be a widow's mite. But somehow you have to be generous. Right? Everything in our culture says take care of yourself. Get ahead. Take care of yourself. Christ says the one who seeks his own life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so that doesn't just mean finances, but somehow you have to lose your life. You'll never find joy if you don't, and you'll never imitate Christ. So there's a lot of leeway there, right? Um, So it's a little bit of not a great answer, but I just encourage you somehow, if it's not financially, you're different from other people. If your buddies are in debt, if you look just like them, something's wrong. You have to be a person of generosity. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a lot of different ways, and I, I totally agree. I just think the one caveat with that is always, when I was, my first homily I ever gave about money at IHM, some of you have heard this, the first homily I ever gave at IHM, I asked people to take out their wallets, and they generally did. Some people just stared at me like, seriously? No way. When they took out their wallets, I told them they had to trade with someone who wasn't related to them. And there were a bunch of, like, nervous laughs, like, <laughs> you're not serious, right? And I made a joke out of it. I was like, you know, <clears throat> I said, okay, um, thank you for doing that. Now I'm going to call forward the ushers. We're going to take up a collection, and I want you to give the way you think this person should, right? <laughs> we didn't really do that. But the point was, was, like, the, the nervous tension in the room, you could cut with a knife, Because your money says something about who you are. Because all of us are scared about the future. Aren't you scared about the future? I've got debt. I'm going to have kids. How am I going to provide for a family? Retirement. Right? There's not going to be enough. That's what keeps us from being generous today is tomorrow there's not going to be enough. Uh, Listen to the gospel this weekend. God takes care of those who love him doesn't mean we can act recklessly. We have to be smart. You can give in other ways. But this is why money is such a part of the New Testament, is that your money is a form of security, like Becca was saying. You can control your life with money. And surrendering that can be an act of faith.
Anybody else or? No brave souls? Okay. Cool. Well, enjoy the night. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, we'll do this again soon. But the rest of the night, we just kind of hang out, have a drink. I'm around. Becca's around. If you want to come talk to us, please feel free. And I should say Tony is here. Tony's one of our seminarians at Lourdes. So uh, he knows everything about theology as well. So you can talk to him. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a good night.